Blog Talk Radio. And now, where the paranormal meets the sacred, and all topics in between, live from Los Angeles, California, welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show, with your host, Shaw McCain. Hello everybody, I'm your host, Shaw McCain, and I'm the host for the Paranormal Sacred Radio Show. Our show meets every Friday, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and we actually have um, prepare a place so people can come and talk and from every walk of life and circumstances. And please follow us on Facebook for upcoming events and special speakers from around the world. And we translate into many different languages, so I get notes from people all over the world. I'm very happy and proud to say that we have listeners outside the country, and when they get it, it comes in their language, and it's really cool. Call-in number tonight is 619-924-9744. And the Paranormal and Sacred airs every Friday night, 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. During the show, I can take questions in order in chat, or you may call in with your question and speak with our special guest. Any buzz killers in chat or on the phone, you know, you're going to get kicked out. So I would have, And I also have a copy of your number, so I will call you back and bug you. So please be polite and play nice, all right? Thank you. Okay, now as far as announcements go, with Ciro's International... Uh, Next uh, meeting is at the secret location in Huntington Beach, and it's going to be this weekend. Uh, there's some things going on at the end of the month, uh, mainly contact in the desert. So uh, the meeting got pushed up a little bit. And so I'll bring that up is that, uh, you know, the other meeting is, the show meeting is from 6 to, uh, no, 2 to 6 or so. And I can't tell you where. Anyway, it's in Huntington Beach somewhere. So anyway, uh, contact in the desert is on the end of the month. Now, that is the 29th through 31st, and it's that weekend. And it's being called the Planet's Premier UFO Convention, and everybody and their friends and their relatives are going to be there. It includes Nick Pope, John Mars, uh, George Norrie's going to be there, a Greek George of Tall Hair, and uh, Richard Dolan, and uh, just uh, so many people. I, I can't hardly really believe uh, the star contact of this uh, whole... Uh, quality of the lineup. So anyway, uh, go, be, be prepared to go to Contact in the Desert. If you want more information, go to contactinthedesert.com and you can call them, 760-365-837. See what else is going on. We've got the, we've got the experience of Speak in coming up in Maine, August 28th to 29th, and our, a lot of our awesome friends are going to be there. So uh, just make start saving your money and make arrangements and uh, some special friends uh, are going to be Peter Robbins is going to be the MC again, and a very special friend of mine, uh, Christopher Bledsoe, will be one of the speakers. Among with all many fine speakers are going to be out that way, and of course my other friend, I got a lot of friends on here. Gary Bobroff is actually doing his presentations. He's a Jungian, and he does the art Jungian archetypal uh, classes, and you can do them online, and they're also up in Sherman Oaks. So. 
uh, you can go ahead and go to his site to find out the exact dates because now he's setting up so you know three times uh, every month. So you can, tickets are available at www.archetypalnature.com. Let's see here. Uh, okay, next week our guest is going to be Jacqueline Smith. She had a delay because her husband got in a car accident, but she's going to be with us next week, and we're really looking forward to that. And now we've come to a very special guest we have on tonight. And I want to uh, uh, tell you a little bit about my guest, uh, Jen Peel. And she has a master's degree in forensic psychology, a woman after my own heart. As you know, that's my area too. Uh, she currently uh, provides case management outreach to the homeless community. And she's a wife and mother with four beautiful daughters. And Jen was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And her family then moved to California where she grew up in Long Beach. She loves playing softball and enjoying her family most of all. She's always had experiences of what you would call deja vu. And like she would say, it's been seen. Her oldest daughter showed some psychic abilities at a very young age. But it sort of trickled away. I don't believe it ever goes away. But if you don't develop it, sometimes you don't really notice it. So anyway, she she, uh, thinks it's partly because she wasn't focused and encouraged enough. And they currently live in Westminster, California, a really nice area. And for the mo- almost two years since moving from uh, Hawaii, where they lived for almost a year and a half, I remember when Jen went to Hawaii, and Jen will be speaking with us tonight about her personal paranormal experiences, and we're going to be discussing a whole bunch of uh, things that have been going on in ghosts and strange encounters in Hawaii. So at this point, I'd like to welcome Jen to the Paranormal Sacred Radio Show. Jen, you're live. Hello, Jen. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're you're very welcome. Um, Now, Jen and I, I was trying to add up the years, and I'm thinking it's about 13 or 14 years, right, when we first met? Yes, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. Go ahead. No, I was going to say because my my 14-year-old, I think she was only about a year or so when we met. Exactly. So I, I, I thought it was... Uh, you were anyway. You were an intern of where I worked, and uh, you were an exceptional person. And we liked each other right away, and we've been <laughs> friends ever since. <laughs> so, Absolutely, yeah. We just had a connection. <laughs> yeah, so we backed each other up no matter what. So it's been, it's been really uh, incredible and great to have you as a friend and to see your family going because now you've got four beautiful daughters. It's so hard to believe. Yeah, you're telling me, <laughs> especially when you think you're done and then you get that little surprise that says, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, are you really done or? No, we're done. Say? Yeah, we're you, we're okay. done. We've been snipped and. <laughs> okay, so it's for real this time. So yeah, I was yeah. wondering, well, how does your husband feel about this? Is he... He he loves it. I mean, they're all daddy's little girls, you know, so it's yeah. just it's keeping us young and. You know, we had always wanted more children, and it just never happened. And then when we finally got to the point where we're like, okay, I guess we won't have any more, and we're, you know, start planning for the future, you know, lo and behold, here we go. Okay, you're getting that other child you wanted. <laughs> oh, and it's just beautiful. And, this, and they're all very beautiful. It seems like they're getting, like, all the best qualities of you two. And this last <laughs> oh, little one is you. like a little dazzler. Yeah, she's she a, is so beautiful, photogenic. She like has a good sense of herself. Yeah, she does, and she out of the. I mean, we all have uh, brown eyes, and she's the only one that got blue eyes. She got her uh, both grandmothers uh, 
have colored eyes on their side of them and their side of the family. So she's the only one that got the, the colored eyes. So all the sisters are jealous, and <laughs> she is she's definitely the the queen of the roost. She is, she's got to be a little uh, little uh, little princess. At the oh end, yeah, that's actually uh, her, yeah. Her name actually her means princess too. So. It is. <laughs> well, part of her that. well her full her full name is Malosi Wila Emotoa Kulini Sete Pio, and it means the powerful lightning warrior princess. So How beautiful, <laughs> and she has all those mentors. So uh, I don't know. if... Uh, if uh, listeners are, uh, saw some of the pictures I put up, but, you know, she has a uh, tribe of women there that are yeah. really looking over her and loving her and bringing her, I know, bringing her to be, up to be the best she can be. And that's, yeah. to me, yeah. that's fabulous. It is. It's great. They're all like her, her mom. <laughs> right. So um, now, so they get to know, because I know you as a very kind and loving person. You're very involved in the community. And what you're doing now is really a tough job, because I have done that. It's really it is. Tough. It is very tough, yes. it's uh, You know, the hardest part is, you know, most most of the people that are out on the streets, you know, they, they suffer from from some sort of, you know, barrier, whether it be mental health, substance abuse, uh, you know, lack of, you know, cognitive ability to grasp, you know, certain concepts or whatnot. So, you know, trying to help them get through those barriers in order to get them off the streets is is the most difficult part. And then thank you. having them not lose hope because there are so many barriers and then they're limited in their income or their resources, you know, so then they just want to give up strong and encourage them to not give up hope and know that, you know, somewhere, somehow we're going to find a way, you know, and so many of them have never had that before. And uh, so when we come along, I mean, I get told so many times, you're my angel, you're my angel, you know, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm just, you know, I don't see it like that. I'm just, I'm just doing my job. I'm just here to help. But, but nobody's ever taken that time with them before. You know, a lot of people have this misconception that the homeless are like, you know, the, the, Drama the you know the city and they make everything look bad and they're just panhandling and you know and they're just people too so it's 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 really cool to listen to some of their stories and the things that they have gone through and, you know how they got in the yeah. situation so what has been uh, one that stood out to you we were we're not going to say any names or anything else but what has been a couple of cases that that really stood out to you because I have in mind a few of mine because I've done that. Yeah, I have one right now that's especially dear to my heart, and uh, he's an 84-year-old man, uh, cute as can be, and he doesn't have anybody. He doesn't have anything. Uh, the people that so he was living in a in a church, uh, the church does outreach, and they allow some people to to reside in their church. And the lady that found him saw him sitting on a bus bench all by himself with, with a bag of stuff. Pulled over, started talking to him, found out that he's homeless. He doesn't have anything, and he's just sitting on this bus bench by himself. And um, so she picked him up and brought him to the church to stay at the church. And so mm-hmm. I stepped in and started helping him, and uh, we've had so many barriers with his, getting his medical insurance transferred from L.A. County to Orange County, and we were trying to find him an assisted living because during the last couple months, unfortunately, his health has started to deteriorate. You know, he's had 
you know, incontinence issues and needs help with showering and getting up. And there's just, you know, they're not equipped at a church to do that. And so he just had so many issues and he's, he's just ailing. And there's just nobody there for him, you know, nobody there to care for him and, you know, help him through this process. So he's so scared and stressed about everything. And he would always tell me, like, I feel so bad that you're taking all this time for me. You know, I don't want to bother you and you're doing all this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, how how does somebody get to that point? And we took him to the assisted living to get his... um to get his assessment to see if he qualifies for their, you know, for their services there. And bless his heart, in his mind, he thinks, you know, excuse the little one, <laughs> in his mind, yeah. he thinks that he can still do all this stuff, but physically he's just not capable. And they told him, he's like, oh, I can get up and I can walk around and I can do this. And so the, you know, the lady said, okay, well, why don't you show us how you get up and, and walk around then? You know, let's see how you're doing. And just brought me to tears because he was trying with all his might just to get up out of the wheelchair and just couldn't. And, you know, I was just like thinking, how does somebody get to that point to where he doesn't have not one single person that's there for him to help him through this transition in life, you know? And so that's one that's especially touching to my heart and the elderly probably get to me a little bit more because, you know, you know they've been through stuff and they have somebody out there, but but nobody's there for them now. You know. Yeah, and um, and it could going to well. Most people are living just paycheck to paycheck, and mm-hmm. uh, it can happen to anybody. And oh, it can. Especially, you know, all you have to do is lose your spouse. Maybe you didn't have a kid, or maybe something happened to the child, or they moved away. And you know, I've heard so many uh, horrible and sad stories that. Um, that one lost his father, and his father just dropped out, and it was ended. He was on Skid Row, but nobody could find him, and all this. And when they found him, you know, he he uh, when they find he finally got notice of what happened to him, is because uh, they take people in at the morgue when they die in the street, and he died of starvation. And the police guy. Oh him. my gosh! And I That's he was horrible. one of my clients. It's horrible. And he said, my dad died of starvation because you can't find them. It's not like they're, right. you know, they have so many resources. They could call home or even know where their children are. Right, You know, right. so they, he looked for them, but he couldn't find them. Yeah, you know? that's difficult. I just, I've had a similar situation to where one of my clients, she she just passed away uh, a oh, week oh, or oh. two week, two weeks ago. And um, I had... She was she was pretty suicidal, so I got her, and she was an alcoholic, and she'd been on the streets for a few years, and we finally got her into a, a detox with the dual diagnosis, you know, combination mm-hmm. because she was suicidal, and we got her in there. They kept her there. We got her clean and sober and moved her into a board and care, and then I called one day to go visit her, and the house manager told me that she had passed away, and so I got in touch with the daughter, and the daughter was just like... You know, I I know there's a lot of guilt that she feels. Yeah. You know, maybe I could have done more if I would have tried harder, you know, and she was just asking me all this stuff, like, does she have any stuff? Does she have any friends? Like, you know, and it's it's just, I could could hear the twinge of guilt in her, in her voice that, you know, her mom's now gone and she, she wasn't there and didn't know about it, you know? Yeah. So that's, that's so hard. It's hard, and, you know, there's a, a lot of uh, very, I've, I heard one story once that, uh, this is Skidwell again, that uh, 
one of my clients was actually working at the morgue. And uh, oh, wow. he said, yeah, so he was, uh, you know, working at the morgue. And, you know, the pile, the bodies start piling up after a while, and they get kind of burned out. So this one body came in that uh, had died of AIDS, and nobody wanted to touch it. And uh, oh, wow. everybody was scared of it, so they were leaving it to the end. And so he said that he had finished up a bunch of stuff, so he decided he would go take care of it. So he went and got the body. And he opened it up, and it was his brother. Oh. He said he had, I know. He said he hadn't. Oh, my gosh. You know that's a God shot, because this is what he said after wow. that. Wow. He said that um, he hadn't seen his brother in five years, and he was so worried, and he thought he'd never see him again. And he said, at least I could give him dignity at the end. And he, that's what he did. Oh, my he gosh. I can't even imagine. I know. Instead of being anonymous, he identified him and he gave him a proper burial. And uh, but just this is this is what happens when you really reach out to people and you're in the trenches, which we both been, and you're you're in there mm-hmm. too. And I'm still doing it. That right. uh, you you hear all these things and you know that there's it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. But there is a lot of mysticism going on too because there's a um, it's the human condition that gets right. you in your core, and then as helpers, it's put upon us to do this. I don't. I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I was equipped to do anything. I was in right. the streets doing it before I even had any certification or anything. I was just right. doing it because I was right. doing something wrong. Yeah. And I, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I think that you know with people that go into this type of helping profession, I think that as throughout our lives, we have a natural ability or a gift that, you know, draws people to us, you know, and then it just, when we go to aspire to, you know, better ourselves, we look to education to further that, I think. At least that's my experience. You know, I've always been that one person where people just, you know, feel comfortable to come to and talk to me and just, you know, just tell me their stories and, and I'm able to provide them with some sort of comfort or advice or whatnot. And so, because of that, it kind of brought me to where, you know, into the psychology, you know, education because mm-hmm. I, I like that and I felt drawn to it. So, and I think you're you're kind of the same way. We just, you just always yeah, have that kind of presence about you, you know? Yeah. And I think that um, not people know it, animals know it, kids know it. You know, it's just, oh, absolutely. It's just like uh, we're all given our, our space in the, in the world and, uh we conduct ourselves there, and it's a beautiful thing, really. You know, mm-hmm. the, I experience these, yeah. yeah. Exactly, because I don't understand the self-centered life. I don't get it. I don't know either, doing. yeah. Yeah, and that's like me, too, especially, you know, with my clients. And it's like, you know, when I hear that they have family, I'm like, well, why don't we give them a call? Why don't we? No, I don't want, no, nothing. They don't want anything to do with me. And personally, I can't imagine. You know, they don't want that criticism and they're no longer comfortable with people looking at them like that. They just get to a point where leave me alone. They prefer, you know, being away from Mm -hmm. eyes that judge. Right. You know, there's nothing nothing worse than that look, you know, or or whatever. Mm -hmm. Because I don't think people intend to uh, be homeless. Of course not. Yes. But I think something drives them to do it, you know. 
Right, but, right, exactly. But we're but the ones that are like there's on those that live outside, there's those that live inside. But us on the inside have to go outside and get them back inside for something. I don't know. Exactly. Trying to get them <laughs> yes, exactly. Because I just can't stand, you know, and do nothing. Because you know we're brought up in the mm-hmm. in you know in recovery areas, is that if you're not part of the solution, you are part of the problem. And that goes exactly. for everybody. Yeah, you know, because you yeah. have to go beyond just to make a donation somewhere. You actually have to go and go do something. What I'm right. really mad about is like this new law that you can't feed the homeless or the 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 hungry. What do you, you know, know about this law? I I don't know about the laws there, but in the city that I work in, you know, I I can I can do the pull the double edged sword on that one. I see both sides okay. of the spectrum. Okay, so there's this there's this guy by the name of Bill Nelson. He's um he's he's trained people, mentors, to walk side by side with the homeless. And he put it into the best perspective for me. He said, we do not rescue, we empower. So what he means by that is if you are going and you're just feeding the homeless, you're just giving them food, you're taking it to them, you're making it easy for them, right? Which we know that they have it difficult and, and... you know, they're struggling, and, of course, we want to do our best to, to, to help them. However, by doing that, we are we're trying to rescue them and we're trying to rescue ourselves by doing something good and, and bringing this to them. But we're not empowering them to become independent and to become active participants in society. So why not, instead of just taking this food to them and just giving it to them with with no no plan or no no way to for them to kind of maybe work for that food or open to resources or whatnot, why don't we find a way to empower them to, to get out of that situation? And this is just because there's so many soup kitchens and churches or people that do hand out hand out food in a in a, you know, organized kind of fashion to where, you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna starve. They're not gonna, you know, do without if if just you know a handful of people stop doing what they're doing and instead you know implement these services or resources attached right. to the food that they're giving. So you know, like I say, I see both sides of it to where it can help and to where it can hurt. You know, of course, we don't want anybody to go hungry. You know, but in the city right. that I work in, in particular, there are quite a few churches and a soup kitchen all within a few block radius to where they can get free food. And all they have to do is get up and walk over there. They don't have to participate in any service. They don't have to, you know. So by people coming into into that particular city and 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 providing food to to the homeless, for once the homeless people there they they're picky. They may not like something, so then they leave trash in the park. They don't clean up after themselves. If they leave, you know, maybe just fruits and vegetables laying in the park in a box, then the park rangers and the police have to then come in and pick it up because then it becomes a health hazard because there's fruits and pests and, and whatnot, you know. So I see both sides of that, that that spectrum. And, you know, I'm all for the part of let's empower instead of just, just rescuing because, you know, you can rescue somebody and you get them out of that situation, you know, for a short time. But if you don't give anything in addition or any, you know, education or knowledge to help them move past that, then they're going to fall right back into where they came from. So you rescuing them 
didn't really yeah. help them in the long run. You know what I mean? Well, it's that, you know, that I, I, I really do get it. You know, it's that, that idea of, you know, teaching a person to fish or giving a fish. or Absolutely. But then you exactly. have, but you have wraparound the services, though, meaning you know where to get them to bed so they can get a shower and they can get medical uh, help. Are there any doctors that are going out there doing outreach or trying to get people well, medical? They, they have this organization called Share Ourselves. They're, they're mostly in Orange County, um, and they oh. provide... Medical services, mental health, dental, all that, and and they work on a sliding fee scale. With it. they say they'll never turn anybody away. So they have yeah. that. Um, there there is one church out there that they have um, every Saturday morning. They they bring in a shower truck, a shower trailer, a laundry trailer, and then they serve them breakfast. So every Saturday morning they can go and they can eat breakfast, they can take a shower, they can wash their laundry, all for free, and then on occasion they'll have special, you know, people come out, they have haircuts, people come out to give haircuts, and then they also have um, a dentist that will come out and do an assessment and then start some dental work on them. So there are, um, you know, big events that they do that, that try to, you know, help them on a regularity because when, we, when we're trying to help somebody, it's not a quick process, it's not something that's, no, you it know, isn't. fast. So in the meantime, we want to make sure that they have their basic needs met. You know, we don't want to be totally callous. Awesome. <laughs> you know, shut them off from the world. <laughs> so what's the name? What's the name of uh, that place? And are you doing any fundraisers? You want to let us know about? Or uh, what's the name of uh, the services that they can people can get to if they're in the? Um, uh, are you saying Orange County, Long Beach area, or, or where? Um, it's Orange County, and that church in particular yeah. is called the Crossings Church. And yeah. they're they're uh, they kind of border Costa Mesa. They're in Costa Mesa, but it borders um, Newport Beach. Okay. Okay. So um, there's services out there. If you're out that way and you and you need them, let somebody know that there's there's places to go. Um, and uh, I I really want to really applaud you and thank you for you know being part of the solution, really, because it's it's amazing. We try. We try. Absolutely. We try. Yeah, but yeah, and then. Starbucks, we just collaborated with Starbucks, um, I would say probably three, two or three weeks ago, they, they um, organized a huge fun um, resource fair to where they supply coffee and snacks and their own personal volunteers, and we just had a bunch of different resources out there. So Starbucks has really been great, and they're, they've even, uh, they're working with one of our volunteers that does computers. Uh, computer work, and he's going to teach computer classes and and do a training for for homeless participants or low income and help them mm-hmm. go through this process. And then Starbucks will give them kind of a priority um, interview and possibly get them hired be, if they go through this computer training. Right. Well, wow. I was very that's, pleased that's and surprised to hear from Starbucks. Absolutely. Yeah, especially Starbucks. That coffee's good. Exactly. I mean, I'm going. I was. I go everywhere else. Believe me, I'm, I've been going to a couple other, you know, big brand ones, and I keep going back to Starbucks. I don't know if they they burn my coffee just right. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Everybody says, "Well, it's burnt," so they burn it just my way. I love that stuff, you know. So anyway, thank you again for your service, and I'm glad that we could talk about it and, and uh, thank Starbucks and. Think the the Church of the Cross, out the in Crossing County, Church, yes. the Crossing mm-hmm. Church, and just uh, just amazing. I want to thank you, Jen, too, for in your 
crew for all you do. And um, now oh, we're yeah, going to get to this part where um, I just want to hear, uh, you know, where you were born and how you grew up and tell us a little bit about your family beliefs growing up and, and uh, stuff like that. Just kind of share with us your beginnings. Okay. I was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We uh, we moved to California. I was I was a baby, so I don't even remember anything about it. Um, and so moved to Northern California, and then when we were seven, we moved to Long Beach, California, and I was pretty much raised there um, by my mom and my stepdad, and I have a little brother. Well, he's not little anymore. He's 31 years old, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was just us and, um, you know, just a typical upbringing, middle, middle class, just, you know, I went through my little stages of, of whatnot, but, you know, we grew out, grew that, and then I grew up had started having babies and now I'm here with my husband and my kids and uh just trying to live life and make it better for them and uh you know we don't really have a specific I would say religious belief so to speak we're just more mm-hmm. of a personal relationship that we have with you know with God and you know we've allowed the kids to just you know they can explore and and choose what best works for them as far as, you know, however their faith or how they want to, you know, be faithful to whatnot. Um, my my oldest daughter, she just turned 20 on Mother's Day. Uh, when she was younger, she she displayed some, um, it seemed like psychic abilities. Uh, it was the bizarrest thing, you know, because I've always, growing up, had, uh, you know, people say, oh, I, deja vu, I've seen that before, and you know, it just seems so commercial when you say deja vu, you know, so yeah. and, and with me, it's like, you know, I've seen that before, it's, it's you know, it's something that I've experienced, and whether it's in an unconscious state of mind or a dream or, you know, whatever it is, but, you know, I, I'll have those instances, and um, well, my oldest daughter, she was, goodness, she, she had to have been only about a, two years old or so, she started to show some, you know, even younger than two, some abilities to where she's playing with her phone or her toys or whatever. And she would, you know, start having a conversation and pretend like she's picking up the phone. Hi, Grandma, blah, 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 blah. Not even a second later, the phone rings. It's my mom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. that's coincidence, right? And that happens so many times to the point where I'm like, okay, that's more than just a coincidence, right? And there's just other little things that made me think, like, this this girl's got something going on, you know? And there was this one mm-hmm. time my friend, my friend's mom went missing. And I had shared, you know, those stories with my friend. And her, her mom went missing, and she was desperate. She had no idea where she was. She knew her mom was in a delicate state of mind. Um, she was reaching out to anybody, any way to, to find anything, right? So she calls me, and she says, you know, I know this is a long shot, but I'm desperate. Can you ask, my daughter's name is Amara, can you ask Amara if she knows where my mom is? And I'm like, sure, why not? Because, you know, she's been displaying this. Maybe she can reach out to the universe, whatever's going on with her, and find her, you know? So I asked mm-hmm. Amara, and she's, like I said, probably around two years old or so, do you know where, you know, so-and-so's mommy is? And she was just playing with her toys, you know, like kids do, and she's like, oh, she's in the bathroom with the cat, and um, she's she's painting red. And I was like, okay, well, that's not really, and I asked for details, and that's all she gave me. I said, she's in the bathroom with the cat, and it's, it's you know, she's painting, and it's painted red on the wall. And so I call my friend back, and I tell her, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know anything. You know, I can't, she wasn't any help. 
So a couple days later, uh, my friend calls me, and she tells me I found my mom. She found her mom locked in the bathroom with her cat, and she had cut herself, and she was bleeding everywhere. There was blood all over the wall. Oh, my God. Yeah. So at that point, I was like, okay, yes, she has something going on. Yeah. And so, you know, I try my best to encourage it and not discourage. Like, you know, I just, you know, if you don't really have experience with that ability, you don't really know what to, you know. But just gradually through the years, you know, just less occurrences started happening. And, you know, so I, I think she still has that ability. She is very spiritual and yeah. she um she has a she has diagnosis, bipolar diagnosis, some mental health issues. Her biggest struggle nowadays is uh negative energy. Like she she when things are going good for her, negative things start to happen for her. And I told her, you know what, I think that you have a gift and you have a talent to where you're gonna do greatness somewhere in a in a spiritual kind of way or in a godly fashion, and the negative energies that be know this, and that's when you get slammed the hardest. And um, you know, I I often think, and I'm sure you've probably seen it too through your psychological experiences with people, is a lot of right. people that have the severest mental health issues tend to be very intelligent and very connected to kind of a spiritual plane. And yeah. so with her, I've I've noticed, you know, because of that and then now with her mental health issues that she struggles kind of with the negative and positive energies that are that are out there. So that's just, you know, something well, there's that... Well, there's a, a story going along with this. There was this uh, doctor that believed in... I happened to catch something about this last night on TV about the sh- being shamans and stuff and the being healers. Mm-hmm. And uh, this doctor from here went to uh, Africa, and he met a shaman. And the shaman was invited to come back to America and see how they did medical and everything else. And uh, they brought the shaman back to uh, this hospital. It was a mental hospital. And Mm -hmm. uh, so he took a tour of the mental hospital, and then uh, the doctor said, well, what do you think about our facilities? He said, I'm really sad because you have all the shaman locked in here. And they're not out there. Oh, wow. Anybody. I know. Wow. And he said, oh, that's why they're got to chill. And he said, I mean, too. And then he said, uh, what I'm witnessing are, are gifted people that are locked in because they're different. He said, it's so sad that's... to me because in, our, in my tribe, they're valued. And uh, they let somebody go back with them. They actually wow. sent. Uh, a guy that he picked, he said, this is, is you know, I want to bring him back. So somehow they arranged it and they took it back. And he was no longer mentally ill. He was a shaman of a neighboring tribe after he, this other shaman mentioned Oh, him. my goodness. I totally got chilled hearing that because I I often think that these people, just people don't understand that if they had, they were able to direct that whatever it is that's, that's guiding, you know what I mean, to a positive way that they would just, be so just you know what I mean just beyond grasp in this natural world that we live in I know it's sad because because here we drug everybody up and we're scared but uh, because they're different but they are seeing they might just be seeing another plane because I've heard people say stuff that are astounding to me and then I know that they're actually you know they're actually saying something they have messages for people but 
it's uh, we have actually I don't know when it happened, but since we've moved away from let's say Native Native American or spiritual ways that are of the earth that accept things that are even different, you know, to uh, medieval more like thinking where you're afraid right, of right. something different. So unfortunately, we squish people, and uh, I think that the systems that have been in place for thousands of years are crumbling now. Because I think people are exactly. stopped believing that. People right. are starting to I accept that each too. other more. Right. Do you? Yeah, and we. I didn't know we're, if you did or not. But. No, I do believe that, and and we're of Cherokee descent. My mom is my mom oh, is half Cherokee. That. So yeah. you know, so I have. So I feel like I have a it. connection to, you know, the earth and, you know, here just in general, you know. And, um, yeah, I I believe the same thing. I believe that society throughout the years has just come in and just they shun these people and treat them so poorly. But if you take the time to actually listen to them, they actually make sense to me sometimes, you know. And And it's like, you know, I'm thinking, like, you know, I'm supposed to be, you know, I'm paid to like tell this person that what they're thinking and feeling is wrong. But personally, I think that they're right, and they actually are hearing yeah. that, and actually yeah. are seeing that and feeling that. Right. You know, and they well, just have we a, have a to more... kind of sometimes honor what they're saying and try to figure out what they're getting at. You know, because they're right. they're actually very creative. That's what I found out. Mm-hmm. They're very creative, mm-hmm. and if they're not really literally seeing it. Uh, they're making a story about something. And if you listen right. to it, you'll find out clues of what, what they're the, actually talking about. Exactly. Or they're of feeling something, from, yeah. and, and they don't know how to express that feeling. So in order to, you know, try and explain a feeling that they have, they, they say that they see something or somebody's telling them something just because they don't know what this feeling is or when they're around certain people, you know, just certain vibes come off to them, you know? Right. Like, okay, somebody's, a couple things happened. So uh, this happened with uh, a, a schizophrenic, aggressive client, seen to people. And then mm-hmm. when he came to me, I was like, we just, you know, talked. And I just listened to him and he started actually coming in with, with issues. You know what I mean? He came in with... Right things he wanted to talk about and deal with and he was very uh, responsible for himself and really right. concerned that he got uh, to talk, you know, time to talk that whole hour and say something so he can get some help. He was very conscientious. And a lot of people just want to waste the time because they got to do it, you know, because mine are actually right. technically in custody, you know, so that's so I got to right. be here. So anyway, some of them want to take advantage of it but then his old counselor said, well, how are you having time, ha-ha, with so-and-so? I went, I don't have any problem with him. Right, and right. And he said, what? Are you? I said, you know, why? I'm just listening to him. Why would I have a problem with him? Then you must not be confronting him. Like, oh, I said, oh, we're supposed to confront schizophrenics? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. what? Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And That's I said, I found negotiate that. this weird territory we're in because we're we're actually in a very uh, creative, unusual zone by even doing any of this. No, I I that. totally agree with you. Yeah, I totally agree because yeah, I'm the same way. And you know, all these people want are respect and for somebody to to validate, you know what is yes. going on with them. And that's why, you know, if I'm training somebody, 
you know, that's new to the profession or, or new to something, I just say, you know what, you're going to get yelled at, you're going to get cursed at, you're going to get degraded and berated and just told everything in the book because you are in a in a position of power. However, you have to realize that they're angry for a reason. They're not just coming in there angry at the world for nothing. They have had some sort of experience or some sort of something that has caused them to be angry. It's not particularly directed at you. So just validate that their anger is true and they're not just over-exaggerating or going out of control, which is usually what people tell them. Let them express it. Let them get it out. You know, as long as they're not going to be disrespectful to you or, you know, aggressive towards you, just let them get it out, validate it, respect them and why they're feeling that way, and then you actually will make progress. And I have had so much experience, you know, with building rapport and trust my client because I I take that time and I do that and sometimes I don't even talk sometimes I just listen and that's sometimes all well, that's they need. it like, you know to need to to be open minded and validated and listen is the biggest gift you can give some people you know mm-hmm. other people need talking to but or turned around in some way but uh, right a lot of, of people course. there's always those exceptions <laughs> yeah to turn around some people but anyway. So uh, now you have lived in Hawaii, and uh, what a beautiful uh, place that is! I, oh my I gosh, beautiful! And I went online looking at it, and it was just so beautiful. It's so green. Uh, yes. Why don't you tell us about your uh, what was your life like living in Hawaii? Oh my gosh, it was so laid back, so opposite of Southern California. I went. I went from the hustle and bustle to every day, go, 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 to an automatic just halt. And um, it really taught me a lot just, you know, to to value life and what you have and, you know, everything around you. And just take time to, you know, that saying, take time to smell the roses. It's, yeah. It's just, you know, people over there, they, they got it. You know, they got it down, you know. <laughs> Take time to do the things that you love and spend time with the people that you love because they're not always going to be around, you know. Right. And uh, if you're in a beautiful atmosphere, then take advantage of it. You know, work and money, yeah, we have to do the grind, and you know, but it'll come. It'll, it'll come whether you bust your butt to make it come, you know, a few hours earlier or you take a little bit longer and it comes a little bit later. It comes eventually, you know. Right. But, yeah, it's just beautiful out there. It is. Amazing. And people, um, <laughs> or I love the people, and um, oh, yeah. they really aren't aggressive unless something comes down. You know what I mean? Then, oh, yeah. then you're oh, right. shocked because they're just gonna they're just gonna clock you, and it'll be over in one punch. So <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, because yeah, the island mentality. Yeah, they're totally laid back, but you just you don't want to get them started. My husband's still on mess with them. <laughs> Oh, okay, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, but it was in Samoan, so, Just you know, I always tell them. Just don't kick back yeah. until you push them, push them. you got to yeah. push them about ten times. Yeah. But after That's that, like, don't, you're going to be dead. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, don't don't, don't switch on the Polynesian snapping gene. <laughs> no, because, you know, you're, you're going <laughs> to, if they push them too hard and it's irrational, they're going to mm-hmm. stomp you and everybody else you right. know. So it's, uh, exactly. I love exactly. them for that, though, because it, it isn't the first, the second, loyal. Or third, or fourth. They're very loyal and very mm-hmm. much family-orientated, you know. So yeah. I, I, my, they're very spiritual. Uh, 
very much so. My my sister, number three, married uh, somebody from Hawaii, and there that's the only you know God I ever know that could stand my sister. <laughs> <laughs> they have patience. <laughs> they have a lot of patience. He said so I asked him because he told me the truth. So I asked him, well, how can you put up with her? <laughs> she got like OCD and all this. You know what I mean? Oh my God! <laughs> long, yeah. long. She's she's in recovery too, but I'm not even gonna say her name or anything. But but very OCD and uh, she I've seen her. I've been double dating with her, and she will section off her date's food because he can't handle. Oh my that. gosh! Wow, it's really horrible. So yeah, I my know, husband and I, I balance her. ourselves. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Very good. Yeah, because yeah, cause uh, I'm when, total when type A. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. You're not cutting the food, are you? <laughs> no, I'm not that bad. I'm just one of those people that has to control. You know, I I like yeah. to plan and I like to you know make things happen. Or you know, I str- I stress easily over things. And where my husband, he's like, relax, relax. It's not. Well, yeah. I, you know, his, his famous words are are you stressing over it and getting frustrated and angry, angry going to change the situation? No. Nope. Okay, then just sit back and relax and let's watch a movie. And then I'm like, ah. <laughs> You're so right, but I really don't like you right now. <laughs> well, that's why you guys are a good balance, though. Exactly. You know, but exactly. also, you know, you're really doing good for the family. You know what I mean? Because I can see you as the the mama hen that's just getting everything together, wants things done, right. and this and that. And that. Exactly. But they need you like that because look at how spectacular your daughters are. I mean, you just have a wonderful family. You really do. We try. We try. <laughs> well, your light is shining through on them, and I, I think they know it. I, you know, I, so. I hope they do. I hope they do. I try to be a good role you know, model for them. They'll be better friends when they're, like, later. Yeah, like 30. exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. That's why I, I just keep hoping, hoping and praying that I live to see the day where they, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, just my, be my oldest. She's, 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 she's the one that gives me a run for my money, you know, but. Oh, yeah. She's not a bad girl. She's just with her mental no. health disorders, just cause some barriers, you know, but yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> it is. Teachers it's just teachers. part of the whole thing because it could be that or it could be something, some of these. It, it could. could, be, this, could, it be, could be a lot worse. Everybody, exactly. everybody has something. There's no perfect mm-hmm. person. Every single oh, yeah. person has something because I keep yep. approaching everything and trying to conquer whatever my ills are, and I, and I always have one left. And I, I never right. could get it all together. Probably when so somebody finally told me that, uh, you know what, everybody's got something, and then when you get it all figured out, you're dead. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> perfect. It's a mess, and, so, and then you're dead, and then it gets perfect after that. So I guess i gotta, there you go. I got to do that. <laughs> so anyway, so anyway uh, talking about dead people, there's a lot of strange and mysterious things going on in Hawaii. And uh, I've never been there, but I feel like this draw to the things that go on over there. So I started uh, watching these YouTube videos, and then I started uh, studying it. And uh, there's, like, some intense supernatural things going on on the island. And you've been there, so I wanted to ask you, did you observe something or did anything happen? I I heard so many stories, but personally, the only personal thing that I kind of experienced was yeah. there was a um, my daughter played softball for the high school, and she told me this story when she went. There's when you're driving from one side of the island to the other, you go through these gulches right outside of Hilo, 
And the, the three gulches. Well, on one of the gulches, apparently there was a shoyu truck or a soy sauce truck driving. And the legend is that as he was driving in those gulches, the the truck fell off, went off the road. There was an accident. He went off the road. The soy sauce was everywhere. And so the story is that when you drive at night through this particular gulch, there's three of them, if you have your windows rolled down, you will smell the soy sauce as you're driving through. So my oh, daughter weird. tells me this, right? Mm-hmm. And so my daughter's telling me this, and her friends are telling her this on the bus. And, you know, she's like, yeah, right, whatever. I don't believe it. And then she's like, Mom, we hit the, the whatever the gulch. And she's like, oh, my gosh, the smell got so strong inside the bus that I just started freaking out. I was like, no way. This is, there's no way that I'm doing There's no way I'm smelling this. Like, who? She was looking at everybody. Who has the soy sauce, you know? And and she told me about it. And so, you know, of course, I didn't believe it either. But sure enough, one night we were coming home, and I think my mom was with us. She came out to visit us, and we were driving back from the other side of the island and at night. And, of course, we just rolled the windows down because, we, you know, you want to try it. And, yeah, sure enough, the car smelt up with the smell of soy sauce. And, you you know, then you question yourself, is this really your imagination or, you know what I mean? But but that's the yeah. one thing that, that personally I experienced there. Um, but I thought that was just kind of, you know, it's kind of weird. <laughs> it is weird. It's funny. It's kind of humorous. It would be soy sauce. I don't know. I find it humorous, but... There's another, uh, there's a, another, uh, there's so many, I didn't know there was so much going on over there spiritually. I know that there's a tradition of, hello? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, good. Hello? I heard, I know that there's a tradition of a lot of spiritual uh, things going on over there, you know, but until you start reading it, like, okay. For instance, South Point, the southern tip of the Big Island, yes. is said to be We've been there a many risk times. in time. Yeah, it's supposed mm-hmm. to have time shifts and sightings right. of UFOs and other strange occurrences around that area, prompting more than numerous authors to write about the subject. So South Point in Hawaii is called the Vortex because of the strong energy that's present there because of the ley line passes in that area. And just off the southern tip, fishermen report electronic malfunction regular basis, and one person reported that their boat mysteriously broke down and started leaking when they were out there. So ancient ruins are also in the area. So you been over there? We have been to South Point. And, you know, now that you mentioned with the uh, the radio or the frequencies and whatnot, I do remember that once we got to a certain area there, our radio would just cut off. We had no cell phone service. Our radio was all weird and squatchy, and you know, you you know, your phone. Normally, when you're, you don't have cell phone service, it just cuts off and it's blank. But it was making a weird, had a weird kind of a, a noise, which you know, normally when you don't have service, it doesn't do that. And yeah, the radio would just kind of sporadically stop and then come back on and then stop. So I never thought about that until I just heard you read that. But yeah, we went there quite a few times. How strange I picked that out because, but then I didn't realize that they were also talking about UFOs in there too. And uh, I didn't know Hawaii had anything to do with UFOs, but I think there's there's so much mystery to this whole thing. And uh, there's the more I read, the more interesting it got. So there's also a town called the Kona uh, Lagoon. I don't know if you have ever been over that place, where that is. 
Um, you know, we went to Kona numerous times, but I don't remember a lagoon. Like, I, we might have gone there and I didn't know the name of it. Yeah. Okay, so this was, I'll tell you a little bit about this one. It was This was torn down in 2004 and sitting vacant since 88 when a Jap- Japanese developers went belly up. But the second story behind the demise of the hotel was the hotel itself was uh, haunted. And uh, anyway, uh, a uh, story from the Honolulu advisor called The Curse, and what was going on was it was surrounded by ancient temples over there, and archaeological, long word, anyway, it was built in the dwelling place of supernatural twin sisters, and I wanted to talk to you about them. The Amakao, who took the form of lizards, so there's these lizards, twin supernatural sisters, sisters, according to the Hawaiian legend, security guards hired to watch the property when the 462-room hotel closed in 88 were frightened at night. And they said that uh, uh, this one guy that they're talking about, I'm not going to say his name, but uh, he is at the Kona Tennis and Racquet Club. And they said they would see lights going on and Hawaiians singing and talking. But when they got over there, they said, like, who broke in? Nobody would be there. But then they said thousands had been killed as human sacrificial sacrifices on that property. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that was going on over there. Yeah, I didn't know that either. That's very interesting. Yeah, I read that article that you had, had sent over, and just reading some of those stories, I was like, okay, I was there, I was there. And it makes me kind of think back to, you know, oh, what what kind of was going on while I was there? You know what I mean? Exactly, because um, if you're not aware of it, you know, you really don't know. Now, my son has a gift, so he can walk in anywhere and knows what's going on. But me, it kind of creeps me out, and it kind of grows on me, and then I realize all oh, this crap's going on, you know. Right, but right. It's, uh, I was I wasn't aware that there was. Uh, it kind of reminds me, even though this is island people, it kind of reminds me of Native American stories also. Oh like yeah, everybody like the legends this, and the, the right. Legends. Yeah, I love absolutely. That. Yeah, because they're indigenous to, to their to the land, and so you know they have those you know, the sacred places and those sacred, you know, that you don't want to, you know, uh, dirty or, you know, um, the word is escaping me. (laughs) Uh, Uh, You don't want to uh, uh, kind of disrespect the site or or whatever it is. Yeah. So it's, uh, now how about, uh, now I, and we've all heard of Pele and the Pele uh, curse. So right, you know about right. that one? Want to tell us anything yeah, about it? Um, yeah, she, um, the goddess of fire. And that's why over there yeah. people always yeah. say, you know, don't do not do this, don't do that, because Pele is going to come. And, you know, we visited the volcanoes and, you know, everything over there. And it's just, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird feeling to stand by. I mean, because that's one of the most active volcanoes in the world. <laughs> Right. And I'm like, I am living here. And then when we went to visit it to, you know, sightsee, I'm like, I'm standing on the most active volcano in the world. What am I thinking? You know, but it's just a different Amazing. kind of um, uh, I don't know, vibe in the air, I guess, to where, yeah. you know, you know, at any moment, just anything could happen. And so whether you believe in things or not, you, you kind of, 
you believe at that moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because well, you believe it because well, the things are happening, like the the picking up a, or trying to take uh, rocks or sand or anything. People have had quite a lot of problems when they're trying to bring it out with them. They come back to America or any other country, and they actually have to return it. Because right, they start right. getting accursed and they start things go wrong and they have to return the stones back to the country just so they can get the the black juju off them or whatever they're doing. Right. You know what I mean? So that's part of that whole curse of that because it is newly born ground. It's it's brand new and but on the other hand, it does look like it's a bleeding spirit because it's from mother. Right. So it's uh, yeah. you know that's that's interesting and very uh, very interesting. I like I like yeah. all of it, and the the night marchers is one though that I found astonishing because it, it's yeah. like a a troop of men. Uh, do you know anything about that one? I I did hear a lot about the night marchers night marchers, and you know there there might have been one night that my daughter thought that she heard them or saw them because uh, where we lived, uh, which is another thing that I read in that article in, in Hawaiian Paradise Park, Ka'au, that's where we lived. <laughs> um, wow. In that area, we lived right by the cliffs, and there were just forests and cliffs all around us. And, uh, you know, at night, they say that the night marchers come walking, you know, from the volcano or to the ocean. And uh, I remember my daughter saying one time that she thought she heard them because they kind of hear like a chant or a drum beat with it. And you see a little... Um, she said it was like little glow sticks, just like far away, you know, just kind of a trail of them. Well, you know, that, is, that would make a sense because they're carrying torches. Right, right. And that's what they the call the, the Menahuni. Yeah, the Menahuni, the night marchers, and, and they're they're the ones that are there to protect the land, you know, from from the, you know, outsiders or whatnot. So, uh, so that's an interesting one, and that one's all over. You know, that's kind of one that they use to – not scare the kids, but caution the kids. Like, watch out, the Menahunis will come, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it says the night marchers are a ghostly apparition of a band of beings that move with purpose to the best of uh, the, be- the beat of pounding drums. And some say they're armed spirit warriors marching in from, in from battle and carrying an- ancestral weaponry and clothed and decorated helmets and cloaks. Now, people have actually seen these helmets and cloaks, and they have drawn pictures of them. And they said that the other accounts tell of a high-ranking ruler spirit, you know, guiding uh, of high importance. Anyway, uh, they want to go get new new warriors going into battle. But the legend of the night marchers was born. Now, this was the interesting part too: is Hawaii's pre-Tahitian inhabitants were spotted descending the mountains where they lived in order to avoid slaughter by the, the invading Tahitians. Now, I didn't even know this mm-hmm. stuff was going on. Right, there was right. like a there was like a, this is a oral history that was recorded in the book Tales for the Night Rainbow. So mm. it, it's like that happened way before even the Tahitian times, and I guess the, the native peoples there were being slaughtered. And that's what right. brings about a lot, like uh, the sites uh, where the Native Americans here in America and also uh, back east where a lot of soldiers fell, you know, fighting wars mm-hmm. and um, were having civil war. It's still haunted, and it reminded me of the soldiers that uh, are still doing, um, people see them. They say, oh, that was really nice seeing this uh, this band of soldiers in Confederate or uh, Union gear out there. We said, we had no band out there doing that. They were actually <laughs> right. seeing all the people marching, mm-hmm. and it reminded me 
of uh, these people marching. I guess they go march down to the beach and then they come back the next night. But mm-hmm. it's yeah. uh, it's incredible. It's mysterious. You know, it's just a, mm-hmm. a really love lovely. So uh, let's see. So we're at the we're actually. Uh, through our first hour, and the phone number to call in if you have any questions, 619-924-9744, and uh, that's it. So what, is, so what are you doing tonight, Jan? Uh, what are you doing? Being are, you, mommy. are you busy? Yeah. <laughs> no, you being mother? being mommy, cooking, cooking dinner. I, as we've been on the phone, I've done my shopping at Target and <laughs> fed the baby a snack, and now I'm starting dinner, and one's in the shower. I knew you were so. a multi, I knew you were my multitasker. <laughs> I didn't know just how long I could keep you on here. So uh, I'm not going to no, keep I'm you the whole time. No, I'm good so far. It, oh, it's good. Until the, until yeah, the until the baby comes. starts howling, howling until, you know, <laughs> I can't console oh, her. But, um, <laughs> but, yeah, so so far I'm good. But, you know, one other thing, you know, just, you know, if you want to just touch on, and then I, you know, maybe I will take a take a break and uh, yeah. head out. But yeah, we lived in um, the Hawaii Hawaiian Paradise Park in the Kau, um area, which is also in that article. And that was very interesting to me to hear that, you know, how close we actually lived to to where there was some a lot of activity. You know, because when you're there, and especially at nighttime, it's just kind of spooky because, I mean, you're on an island in the middle of the ocean (laughs) and it's like every little thing that you hear or see, you're wondering, am I really hearing it or really seeing it, you know? And um, Yeah, it's just, it's kind of an eerie feeling. You know, when we first moved there, I mean, it's pitch black. Where we, because we're at KL, is a very small town just south of Hilo, which is a bigger, bigger town on the island. And, uh, the Hawaiian Paradise Park is a portion of Ka'au that they, it's a new development. So there's a lot of um, construction still going on there. They're still building it up and everything. And so there's not really any street lights. There's a few on the main roads. Um, my brother and sister-in-law live there. And they said when they first moved there nine years ago, there wasn't, there's street to get to our, it's like a 10 minute drive just to get from the main road to, to our little uh, neighborhood. And they said that that wasn't even paved. It was it was still just you know dirt and gravel and you know there's hardly any street lights and uh, so it's just pitch black you know. So when we first moved there, you know, being in this huge house in the middle of nowhere, you hear the palm trees, you know, the coconut trees swaying outside, and it's, mm-hmm. it's so quiet. You just hear the the koki frogs, you know, the island frogs just you know croaking away, and the ocean waves and and whatnot and just the stillness you know it's like a stillness with with movement everywhere if that makes sense <laughs> yeah you know what well, like here you don't ever still that right yeah right so so yeah so it is it's kind of a eerie feeling but then a beautiful feeling all at once you know but well yeah it's, that's strange that you're saying that but because of volcano activity and because, which is made of lava, which is silica-based, people, some people think there's a higher frequency that's close, mm. closer, like, to another dimension just because of all the silica and the, so, you know, okay. sort of crystals that are resonating. And that's that like sense. that vibe you're talking about. 
Right, right, right. Yeah, and I'd be very interested to find out exactly where in Paradise Park uh, that that property was to see, you know, how close it it was to where we were actually living. Um, so I was going to do a little research on that. That would be very interesting. Are, are you going? Are you going back someday, or uh... we will go back someday? Yeah, yeah. The only reason yeah. we didn't stay longer is because uh-huh. you know, the, just the opportunities out there aren't as 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 easily accessible as they are here. One of my daughters, she was trying to get scouted for college, you know, for soccer, and they just didn't yeah. have the um, the training, you know, level, skill level that, that she was getting right. out here. So she was already more advanced than even the junior college kids. And then there was no work for my husband there, his his type of work. And then the work that I was doing, I was managing the domestic violence shelter out there. And it was just, you know, they just, they're, they're, their whole mindset is so different from here in California that it was, you know, it was just kind of limits you. It's more of a retirement yeah. town, and, right, and right. even you know, or or your aspirations are are not what they are here on the mainland. You know, even one of my daughter's teachers told her, "I can see your your motivation and your um, uh, aspirations kind of." slowing down a little bit. You know, when you first got here you were like soccer this, music that and now that you're here you're more island girl and and you're laid <laughs> back to where you're you know, you kinda of, they get stuck into that lifestyle and there's no no real room for growth, you know? Well so yes, a, because you're on a permanent vacation. So that's what starts <laughs> happening is that you're moving out of the doing and the have to get done back into the vocation and coasting mode. You know, exactly. and you have yeah. so many people to raise. I mean, all your, all your kids aren't raised yet, and then you have the little one. You know right. what I mean? So it's not quite time. Maybe you guys can retire right. over there or something. That's what, that's what know, I said, yeah. It would be a great place to retire once we're done and, you know, just to have that land out there. So we definitely will go back. But, uh, but yeah, my little one's starting to be a little bit more demanding. So <laughs> I appreciate you yeah. having me uh, so much, and I'm going to have to start calling in and being more faithful with listening because this has been really great oh it's you know it's just been so wonderful you know having you on and and hearing about this uh your experiences and and also i wanted to just say for all the hard work that you're doing out in the community you're doing what a lot of people won't do you know and you know it is a tough job family it is a tough job yeah, and I have to give you a lot of credit for that because you are you are always a mentor that I, that I look up to, and just hearing those words telling me that I actually belong in this in this field in this in this uh, you know working with a certain population, I'll never forget that you told me you know that I have that in me that you saw something, and that's what's kind of helped me strive to to keep going. So you know. That's, well, it's good. So you get get the kids ready for dinner so they can hear the baby in the background and everything else. So I want to thank you uh, so, so much, and uh, God bless you, Jen. Do you want to do a shout-out to anybody? Because you can listen to this again in, in archives. Uh, just a shout-out to my, my family, my daughters, Amara, Ayana, Manaya, Malosi, and my husband, Sean, who puts up with me. <laughs> <laughs> me and my crazy psychological ways. He'll often tell me, "Quit shrinking me." <laughs> but, but yeah, just you know, they're just always there for me, and they're the ones that help me to strive to do better. So you know, that's right. Love them that's to right. You've just done such an amazing job with everyone, and I just want to thank you again for being on the Paranormal Sacred tonight. And uh, 
let's get together again and uh, invite me out there again sometime. And say, take care of yourself. Absolutely. And God bless you and oh. yours, Jen. Yes. And you take too, care. everyone as well. Thank you so much. Have a great evening, Thank everyone. You. Thank you. Have a great Thank evening. Bye-bye. Take care. Good night. Wow, what a what a just wonderful person that uh, one in a million that you hardly ever meet people that are working so hard in the trenches to make life better for others that are very unfortunate and that can't uh, do for themselves. And she's one of them. And she's conscientious, she's brilliant, and she's raising all these children, you know, ranging from 20 down to almost a year old. And uh, uh, it's just uh, incredible. And I want to uh, give Jen Pio know her props because uh she has what it takes and uh, i wish her all the best and also the community in which she's working you know let's keep them in our our prayers and uh, i wish the best for all of them and everyone and uh i want to talk to you a little bit more about um that uh how when we work upon the earth how we help others is uh all that really matters we have to help ourselves of course we have to take care of ourselves as uh, especially later in life and you find out that uh, you have a lot of battles to go still, you know, and you find out that once you get older, you still have a lot of battles to to fight. And it could be health battles or life changes or, or whatever it is. And just remember, we have each other. So I just want to put another reminder in that um, a few friends have had some issues and... Uh, Unfortunately, um, some have uh, taken their own lives. Uh, This has happened over three people I know who have committed suicide in the last three weeks. And I just want to say to the families that I am so sorry. And uh, there's there's a way out. And uh, unfortunately, that um, people take the fast fast route, and uh, you can work your way out of this. You know, it's been called. uh, a uh, you know permanent solution for a temporary problem, and uh, that's why you're actually. I'm going to give you a number for a lifeline. So if anybody's having any kind of problem like this, call. You can go to suicidepreventionlifeline.org. It's it's the hotline that's been sa- the same that's, that's been available 24/7 for years and years and years. And the phone number is 1-800-273-8255. Since we're discussing uh, mental health issues, and and that's what was part of tonight was about is uh, uh, that kind of thing. So anyway, uh, just take the number down, and uh, you don't you don't have to be alone. And I advise you to just please get help. And uh, if there's services in the city, you just can't try once and then give up. You have to keep calling and keep bugging. And I know that takes a lot of energy, but. That's what you got to do. So the Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. And God bless you, and I just ask everybody just to hang in there. And uh, I was also reading about, um, I want to thank our guests again for being on, and uh, I just wanted to say say that uh, spiritually we're all in this together and uh, that it's been, you know, just really incredible working with you and being here. You know, this is my 270th show. I can't hardly believe it. And the anniversary will come up in October for three years. So I, I want to tell everybody I appreciate you. Thank you for all your notes and messages and support. You know, I appreciate it so much. And I want to God bless you very much. And 
I just think you're amazing. Amazing for listening. And uh, I want to talk about Polynesian culture, you know, as we uh, close to the end of the show, is that uh, there's a concept called manna. And manna is a spiritual quality considered to have supernatural origin and a sacred and personal force existing in the universe. Therefore, to have manna is to have influence and authority and efficacy. The power to perform in a given situation. This essential quality of manna is not limited to persons, peoples, government places, or inanimate objects that can possess manna. There are two ways to obtain manna, through birth or through warfare. People or objects that possess manna are accorded respect because their possession of manna gives them authority, power, and prestige. The word's meaning is complex because manna is the basic foundation of the Polynesian worldview. So as I was reading and studying all this, I was actually starting to understand that other peoples uh, look at life and understanding of the uh, way things are could be completely different from yours, but we must respect it. And uh, we must respect the power of the person and we and uh, acknowledge that power in other people. Because some people feel weak and sick only because you haven't told them that they're not. You know, they may be weak and sick and you could just say, you know what, you're doing good, look at this, let's go do this, you want to try this? And, you know, help uplift the person next to you. So anyway, this show's going to be a little bit short tonight and uh, I want to just thank Jim Teo for stepping in and helping us tonight. And uh, Jacqueline Smith-Thomas, the Hollywood uh, person that's into UFOs, art of every kind, and um, she's actually beautiful herself. She's going to be our guest next week. And uh, I want to thank everybody for listening tonight, and God bless you all. And hang in there, whatever trials and whatever you're going through, uh, just uh, hang in there. Don't give up. And... uh, I want to thank Jen again and uh, thank her for her friendship. And she's one really awesome being that's walking upon the planet. And please keep her and her husband and her family in your prayers because they're awesome people and they need the strength to go help the others. Okay, so follow the link to contact me and you can leave a message if you'd like to be part of the show. And um, you can also snail mail me, Sharma McCain, P.O. Box 980, Hermosa Beach, California, 90254. And I want to thank all of you, everybody that was listening tonight. And this show is archived, so you can listen to it again. So to remember to tell your friends, the paranormal is sacred is a place where unheard may be heard. And please recommend us to your family and friends. And I appreciate you guys and listeners very much, your faithful listeners every week. And I wish you all well, and God bless you, and be good to each other. Bye-bye. Let's see... I think I want to do landslides. I'm going to dedicate this to my daughter. I love you, honey. Good night. I took my love, took it down. I climbed a mountain and I turned around. And I saw my reflection 